Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Highland Podcast. Craig Shop here with George Thomas, Akron Beacon Journal sports writer, film critic extraordinaire. George, how are you doing? I've recovered from Memorial Day weekend where I, I, I did things that I haven't done in a while. Mainly enjoyed alcoholic bever- beverages okay. at, a, at an elevated level, let's call it that. <laughs> Well, I, my wife and I went on a vacation in Nashville. We had one of our favorite destinations. We love going there. Had a little bit of a strange time. We got sideswiped by a box truck and had to, unfortunately, uh, get the car in for a repair this week. But uh, everybody's fine, so we're good. We had some uh, some fun times down in downtown, walking around, people watching. Uh, despite the pandemic, there were still a mass of humanity out on the streets of Nashville, and we kind of enjoyed it because it made us feel like we were normal again for a change. You went on vacation and got hit? Yeah, it was the second day, and I and funny enough, it was on my wife's birthday. We we're getting ready to go get pancakes. She, she wanted pancakes on her birthday, so we were parked by the pancake pantry, opened my door, and a uh, box truck just uh, decided to, to keep going and ripped my door a little bit, so... We were able to shut it and, and still enjoy the, the last couple of days of vacation, but it was definitely a, a change of pace for us that day. It was a lot of stress, and you know, you're eight hours away from home, and you're thinking, "What do you got to do? How do you, you know who are you going to call?" Nashville police responded. They only had like 12 officers out that day, and it took them about an hour and a half to get there. So it was a, a long wait, but uh, we ended up getting the pancakes, though. So that was a, a good thing for my wife. Now I gotta. Now I gotta wait. Wait. Wait a second. <laughs> Tourist destination. Yes. During a, a holiday weekend. Yes. Had twelve cops on duty. Yeah, the the officers. It's funny because the way the street is, it's kind of broken up into like one of those caddy corner adjacent streets. So they they actually went to a crash on the other side of the same street, in the same location, in the same intersection, and they thought that that was us. And then we called them and said, "Hey, it's been about an hour and a half. No one's come." And they finally did. And when we talked to them, they're like, yeah, we've got like 12 officers down here uh, to work. And it's their short staff, too, just like a lot of other businesses and, you know, everything like that. So it was it was kind of crazy. And I think a lot of them were probably, you know, downtown just with a massive humanity that, uh, you know, comes with the territory in downtown Nashville on Broadway Street. Okay, I'll make a note of not going to Nashville for the July 4th weekend. Doesn't matter. I'm doing ribs at home anyhow. (laughs) Yeah, um, you know, the the saving grace is my wife got her pancakes, so she was happy. 
and we were able to get some uh, Corky's ribs, which is it's a, a great Memphis place, but they have a, a Corky's in uh, Tennessee. So we went there and got some ribs. It, not not as good as the Memphis location, but still pretty good. I enjoyed them. For a minute there, I thought you said Porky's. No, Corky's. Okay. Yes. You were taking me back to my adolescence with a movie. <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we, we've talked about that because now we can segue into the actual movies, what we're here to talk about today, which is the movies. So um, obviously, you know, you, there's the summer box office is kind of getting in full swing. Uh, you've seen a couple of uh, the biggest releases here to date. Uh, a Quiet Place 2. This is a, a sequel. John Krasinski's uh, breakout hit a couple of years ago. A lot of people loved it, wanted to see more. Well, they're getting more. How is it? You know what? John Krasinski does a very, very smart thing with this movie. Do you see the original? Yeah. I, I, you, know, I, you know my feeling on horror. You and I have talked about that. Right. I was informed by my older son that I would like A Quiet Place because it's intelligent horror. It's, it's done the right way. There's nothing gratuitous about it. Right. Sometimes youth is right. So I checked it out. Enjoyed the heck out of it. Go to the sequel, and, and it's not a, 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 a spoiler to say John Krasinski's character dies. Right. It's like, if you're doing a sequel, who's going to be the anchor there? You know what I mean? Right. And it turns out it's his daughter. Um, the, the young actress who played his daughter in the movie, her character is the anchor of this movie, and she's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, he makes the movie. Yeah, um, she was one of the scene stealers in the first one too, so it's not a surprise that uh, that young actress is uh, you know making moves here in this uh, sequel. Uh, you know, obviously sequels can be a mixed bag. You know, not everything is Empire Strikes Back. Is a Quiet Place two? Uh, is it better? Is it the same? Is it a letdown from the original? You know what? Could have easily easily been a letdown, but here you go. And this is how I judge a horror film. If you get me to jump out of my seat, I, I you're going to get a good review out of me. I jumped <laughs> out of my seat three times. Okay. You, you think you know what's coming, but you don't know what's coming. There are surprises here. The performances are great. It's, at, at bare minimum, it's as good as the sequel. It may be a little bit better, simply okay. because... The young and I, I hate that I don't remember the actress's name. Yeah, Millicent Simmons. Yeah, she yeah. just she's a, a scene stealer, and it really helps. I mean, and she has to be because, from what I understand, she's mostly deaf. Right. So she has to act convincingly, and it's it's a wonder to behold, and it's like. A young Ripley, I guess. That's the best way I can. Okay. I can. She's a young Ripley on That's Earth. Great. That's great praise, yeah. So it's 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 maybe a smidge better than the original. Okay. You know, one of the things I've been interested in, uh, you know, since the first one came out is, you know, this is obviously a, a sort of a different change of pace for John Krasinski. Obviously, everybody probably knows him from the office. Obviously he's transitioned into the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan series on Amazon. But, uh, you know, what do you, what do you make of him so far in his brief career as a writer and director? 
Now, it's obviously he's been able to translate the acting skills into something more, I don't want to say more substantive, but you know what? He, he paid attention to what he did as an actor and obviously what everybody else was doing on screen with him and behind the scenes. And I'm looking, he's, he's not even directing A Quiet Place 3. He's handing the reins over. So right. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with his next project. I mean, he he's, he he did a Q&A in Cleveland at the screening I was at. Okay. And he's a big Spielberg admirer, which isn't shocking given, given the Jaws-like elements to both right. Quiet Place films. But it's like, if he could establish himself as a director in the vein of Spielberg where, you know, you're just wondering what's next. What can he do next? Right. He's a very long career. Right. And I'd rather, I'd, I'd really like to see more Jack Ryan. But, right. But as a director, I could see myself looking forward to what's coming next. Well, I think, too, having the success of the first movie and having the success during a pandemic with the second movie, we'll get into the box office here in a bit. But, uh, you know, this is two good studio releases in a row for him. It's probably getting to the point where he's setting himself up to now he can do those passion projects and get that money investment into some of those independent films that may not be the studio releases because of his success here. You know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I try. I try to know a little bit about the industry. <laughs> it's like it, it's a, it's hilarious. The number of of actors and actresses and, and directors say, "I do one for them; they do one for me," and, yes, and yeah. that that's that's been the game. I don't yeah, know but, how how streaming has disrupted that because it seems like, in the case of some directors, they're able to get their their passion projects done by by bypassing the studio system. I'm talking to you, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that's, that, that could be his trajectory and I wouldn't blame him one, one bit at all. Do you, do you kind of find that maybe, uh, you know, because he's an actor and he's still in that stage, I think where, you know, he can at least hold the screen. He's holding the screen well on, on the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan series. Um, you know, I know there was, there, everybody's always talked about how he was one of the finalists for Captain America long ago before Chris Evans was cast in that role. But do you feel like this is going to be where he might transition a little bit more towards directing exclusively? Or do you kind of feel like he still has that ability to break through and be that leading man and, and maybe like Bradley Cooper directing a star is born, you know, type of trajectory? I you know I I I don't know his mind, but here's what I I I know about actors who eventually end up directing that they come to prefer being behind the camera to being in front of it. Sure. There's obviously there's control there, but you get into directing, and I think he produced this one too, and you segue into producing. Right. You get that control. You get the projects made that you want made, but let, let, let's not be naive about this. There's a financial element to this too. And you're, right. if, if you get your projects made and you control the project, you control the content, right. you're the one who's going to get paid. I mean, that's basic economics. That's why Spielberg's a billionaire. 
okay. mean, that I he has to decide whether there's more artistic merit in front or or behind the camera. And there's nothing to say that he can't decide he wants to direct and he, he, he can balance the artistic with the commercial, which Spielberg has done. Sure. So Yeah, he's he's definitely established a very good groundwork for a, a long and illustrious career as a director if he so chooses that. Um, I, I can't imagine uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure probably moving on to new projects, but uh, it seems like he's hit a couple of home runs here and it, it'd be hard pressed to think that he couldn't continue that stretch, you know, moving on to new projects too. Correct. I agree wholeheartedly. Did you have a final grade for A Quiet Place Part oh, 2? I gave it an A minus. All right, George. Well, we definitely... Uh, can't wait to see that. Uh, enjoyed the first one, so I'm interested to see uh, this uh, sequel here. So uh, going from a sequel now to, uh, I guess, uh, sort of a reboot of a franchise with Cruella. Now, there's a lot of high expectations for this, primarily because you've got Craig Gillespie behind the, the camera who directed I, Tanya, and of course, Emma Stone, an Oscar-winning actress. Obviously, a lot of uh, pressure, you know, from the Disney folks probably in wanting to have, you know, at least uh, some sort of a good box office return along with the premiere access they have on Disney Plus that you can purchase the movie. Uh, what did you think about Cruella? Number one, I'm going to preface, preface my statements by saying I generally lambast Disney for their quote unquote reboots, their pre prequels and all this stuff because it's right. a basic lack of originality. I mean, they proved me wrong with Pirates of the Caribbean, the first mm. let's go with the first two there. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that proved me wrong and it's mainly because of Johnny Depp and that and those the, those first two films. Cruella, I walked out of the theater smiling and I saw it in the theater. You know, with both these films, I'm gonna emphasize this point. Um a Quiet Place 1 or Quiet Place 2, you can only see in theaters. Right. Cruella, you can see on Disney Plus Premiere, it's going to cost you 30 bucks. However, this is a movie meant to be seen on the big screen. See it in a theater. Right. That being said, like I said, I walked out with a smile on my face. And that's because Gillespie and his creative team did the one thing they had to do to make this a success. Whoever was teeing off against Cruella had to be someone who was absolutely more vile right. than her character. And I'll be dang. What are you doing that instance? You get another Oscar-winning actress, right. Emma Thompson. Yeah. And they revel, revel in what they're doing on the screens. And, and I loved... 95% of it. It's it's it, it was fun. That's the best adjective I can use. It was original in a lot of respects. It's and and the supporting cast was on point too. So I big thumbs up on it. Okay. Um, you know, I I agree with you that I'm not really a huge fan of the Disney Plus model, which is you know, let's just kind of uh, hang our hats on nostalgia. Let's remake something or live action, uh, an animated feature. 
Um, although maybe I can't wait to see the live action version of Up or something, maybe to see a, a bunch of balloons, EPI balloons, uh, carry a house to the uh, South America. But, um, you know, I think in the right hands, things like this, especially with Craig Gillespie coming off of I, Tanya, you've got Emma Thompson, Emma Stone, two you know, heavyweights right now in the acting industry. It, it's, it seems like everything kind of came together in a good package where maybe in, in different hands it might have fumbled a little bit and, and faltered in, in most cases. Oh, I absolutely agree. I mean, you, as weird as it, say, it, it seems to say, you needed two actresses with some heft, some gravitas right. to them. It was essential that, they, that this quote-unquote relationship whatever you want to call it, be believable. And that you were pulling for one or the other. Right. Or or I'll, I'll tell you, chances are you're pulling for Cruella. But how do you make Cruella, De successfully make Cruella DeVille? Right. Pathetic. Right. And the, the script pulls it off, Gillespie pulls it off, and, and Stone pulls it off. Right. Emma Thompson, an actress... I've loved for years. It's like you don't get to see her revel in being bad the way she does here very yeah. often. And it's clear she's she's I don't want to say camping it up, but she's immersing herself in the opportunity to uh have her share of uh enjoyment. I often like when people play against type and, you know, everybody probably thinks of Emma, Emma um, Thompson as a sweetheart actress, who, always the most lovable person when you come out of the theater. But I always like when someone like that plays against type to where you can actually really fully see their acting chops on display. And, and, and obviously, as you say here, George, uh, she brings it like no other can. So uh, sounds like a, a home run here for Disney. Uh, you know, what was your final grade on Cruella? B plus. Okay, so uh, I was last weekend. <laughs> you know, some people have uh, I've seen on sort of the internet. Uh, people have compared uh, Emma Stone's performance to maybe like a Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker. Are we in that kind of territory? Use that that comparison. It was uh, what did I write? The Joker with the Devil Wears Prada. Oh, okay. Because at one point there. Boss and employee during this film. Okay, that's yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm, I I I, I took a pass on the Devil Wears Pride. I didn't really like that. Although Meryl Streep always great, and Hathaway is a lot of fun too. But uh, to me, the movie didn't really add up to much. Emily Blunt was fantastic in a Devil Wears Pride too, but uh, wasn't uh, wasn't just really into the whole thing about it. But uh, it's a, kind of an interesting mashup here of uh, of movies. So. Uh, well, I mean, there's there's obviously some things to see out there. If everybody's listening, definitely go out and see these two movies. Uh, and it seems like a lot of people did as we sort of transition into this next topic, which is the summer box office seemed to be invigorated by Cruella and A Quiet Place Part 2. Now, A Quiet Place Part 2 ended up leading the box office almost uh, more than doubling yeah. Cruella. Uh, but this was the best box office that we have seen since last February, when Sonic the Hedgehog came out, we're talking over a $90 million take, Quiet, A Quiet Place Part 2 with $47 million and change, Cruella with $21 million. 
obviously, you know, people are, we're getting sort of getting closer to being away from the pandemic than we are being in the heart of it. But there are still, you know, people that are skeptical about going to theater. I know we've kind of talked about, are you willing to go to the theater? I've always said for the right movie, I will go to the theater right now. And, and you know, I'm, I'm obviously fully vaccinated. But from your perspective, you know, what does this past weekend mean to, to the box office maybe moving forward here? I think, a, let, let's be realistic. There's among, there are hardcore movie theater fans out there. Right. I'm one of them. I mean, nine times out of 10, I'm going to go to a theater before I watch it on my television screen. Right. So there's obviously, number one, a pent-up demand. Right. I think it's... I think it's... I think they had to have quality product, though. Right. And I think the in this case, nine times out of ten, in this day and age, I'll tell you, reviews don't help a film. Right. I, I review films films as something people use, use to affirm their uh, their decisions after they they've done something. Right. But I think in this case, reviews may have helped mitigate the feeling of risk. You know what I mean? Right. So maybe it's worth it if I've got a mask, or maybe it's worth it if I'm I'm fully va- vaccinated. And I think that's what what happened here. You had two quality films, and people just showed up because they mentally they needed it right so well and you know this week we've got the conjuring the devil made me do it another one of the sequels in the conjuring series uh spirit untamed is a animated movie that maybe could bring some kids out um obviously you know people were looking for a scare with a quiet place part two uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, we have In the Heights, which is really highly anticipated, a, a Lin-Manuel Miranda movie. Uh, so a lot of, you know, there's a lot of excitement, I think. Maybe there isn't a Quiet Place Part 2 kind of like big summer tentpole coming out maybe until we get to like Black Widow, I, I guess. But I think people are going to, you know, respond to these movies because like you said, I think people want that sort of distraction, the ability to go out and, and have a good time and get back to normal. And, you know, I, I think uh, the box office, do you think that this is maybe not, I don't think I would say saving the box office because I think Godzilla versus Kong really helped save some, some hope in the box office. But do you think that this is a sign of things to come where we're going to start seeing normal weekend takes during these summer months where we get like a normal hundred million dollar, $150 million box office? Um, the dilemma there is that if you think of a couple of the tent poles coming out, you mentioned Black Widow. They're doing the Disney Plus premiere thing on that. Right. Which is going to water down any potential box office. Although if I'm Disney right now, I'm rethinking that. I don't know if they can. Yeah. But I'm, I'm rethinking that at this point. Um, I think I won't call it a slow recovery. But I think you really won't see normalcy, perhaps, right. at the earliest until the holiday movie season. And that's going to de- be dependent on whether whether they decide, nah, we're not going to do a day-and-date uh, theater and, and or HBO Max release of, of Dune, which right. is 
highly anticipated. So right. there, there are other factors here. Um, I think definitely if we are indeed at the end of this 18 months in hell, that reminds me an episode of a particular episode of Star Trek Voyager. If we're at the end of it, I think you could see normalcy next year. And that's also going to depend a lot on the schedule. Right. Well, I think the movie gods will strike me down because I, I omitted a summer tent in F9, which is Fast and Furious 9. It does come out on June 25th. So uh, I, I do need to apologize to the movie gods because I, I said Black Widow is the next summer tentpole. How could I have forgotten the ninth installment of the Fast and Furious series? Uh, but that will be an interesting movie to see. It's it's getting its own, you know, release essentially. No other competition really outside of uh, what we will have going into it. Uh, so I'm kind of intrigued to see if that's one of those movies that really breaks the box office uh, because by then you'll have had almost a month essentially of these other movies that we're talking about. So by then maybe people are transitioning to new movies and Fast 9 or F9, whatever they call it, is going to be that. Those two weeks, the 25th and the following week when Black Widow is released, could determine the answer to your question. Right. So we're, we're going to find out. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, Space Jam, a new legacy comes out. Um, there. No. I work in Akron. Space Jam. Space Jam. Yeah. As, as if we needed a Space Jam sequel, because why not, right? So now that will be a day and day release uh, on HBO Max as well, but it will be in theaters on July 16th. Uh, you know, you've got uh, a Hotel Transylvania animated uh, sequel. You've got Snake Eyes, a G.I. Joe's uh, origin story, July 23rd. So. I mean, the box office is starting to fill up a little bit, which I'm kind of intrigued by. Uh, I know the, you know, the Rock is going to have the uh, with Emily Blunt Jungle Cruise uh, July 30th. So, you know, we are starting to see a fuller box office slate, which is nice to see instead of a one or two movie, you know, competition. So, it's encouraging at least, right? Let's just say I'll be in theaters. <laughs> You'll probably see George. I mean, I'm assuming you go to Valley View for most of your screenings, right? Oh, absolutely. The you'll probably see you'll probably see George and Valley View if you go there. But well, before we wrap up, I wanted to uh, maybe pick your brain. I know we've talked a couple of times here about Mayor of Easttown. Uh, so last Sunday was the finale. The seven episode series uh, is being called a limited series, although everybody's wanting a season two now. But uh, I'm kind of hoping they just say this is what it is. What's done? You know, it's going to clean up a bunch of Emmy nominations and likely win several of those. What were your final impressions of the seven-episode run of Mayor of Easttown? That is a modern classic, first of all. Okay. I have one big regret, though. Okay. Prior to the final episode, I read a lot of fan theories. Mm. One of them turned out to be right. Okay. <laughs> so it, 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 it didn't have the impact that it should have. Okay. It had a, had the impact that it, it should have on somebody I was watching with, but it's like, damn, that's the last time I do that. It's had, a had you, had you not known about it going into it, and and you know maybe just everybody's bandying about their 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 theories. And had you not kind of seen that coming, would you still have been okay with whoever that? We're not going to spoil it for anybody listening, so don't worry about spoilers. But would you have been, uh, you know? blown away by the the twist if, if you had not seen it going in 
yes and no because there were certain and, and, and if you watch if you watch stuff the way I do and you analyze it you could see certain mm-hmm. things going on with the eventual murderer that would lead you down that path you 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 could see it so the impact would have been greater i would have taken more enjoyment out of it right it all made sense um so i don't it's it's funny because kind of like you, I, I was not able to watch, and I'm I'm so thankful for HBO Max for allowing a, a show like that to actually allow you to stream it as it's premiering on HBO, which is something they don't do for everything, but they did it for uh, at least for Mayor of Easttown, which is great because I could start watching it at 10:01. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't, and I actually checked Twitter, and I really wish I hadn't because at at one point, I the first thing I saw when I opened Twitter up was a certain actress other than Kate Winslet deserves uh, Emmy Emmy consideration. And I thought, Oh no, did this just spoil it for me? So I, I went in watching it thinking I'm, I'm going to know the ending and I still didn't, which is really nice. And uh, it's, it was a powerful ending. Uh, there were, I think I'm kind of in your boat where I was surprised, not surprised because there were some little breadcrumbs that were left throughout some of the other episodes that maybe implied, you know, the, the person that, that ended up doing this murder actually did it. Um, you know, one of the things that some people were a little unsettled with with the series, and I kind of want to pick your brain about this, was in the, the previous episode, we, we had a loose end tied up with the abduction of, a, of one of Mare's friend's daughters. Um, and that ended up being a completely non-character in this story. No one knew who he was until we met him that minute. Uh, it had a lot of Silence of the Lambs, you know, Lambs vibes. When uh, Mare and Zo and Zabel went into the this place to confront this person, not knowing this person was uh, the abductor, what did you think about that sort of being the side story that didn't get a lot of like explanation or follow up, other than just maybe seeing how the girl, the one girl, was doing of the uh, the friend of Mare's mother? See and, and see, here's where I'm different than everybody else. That was supposed to be one of the big mysteries, right? Right. Well, it's, you know, I, I kind of got the feeling that it was a red herring all along. Right. Because I was looking at the relationships. You know what I mean? Right. And to me, the strength of the series overall was the fact that we didn't look at the characters. And let's be honest, this is a series driven by women. Right. Now, I didn't look at the characters as being women. I just looked at them as being characters. You know what I mean? Right. Um, being people living their lives, facing, they, they weren't these frail, frail creatures that you see in a lot of these shows. Right. And, and that was refreshing to me. Yeah. So I didn't look at it that way. Um, so that didn't bother me as much. I was kind of, Tick that Zabel got off. <laughs> That's a spoiler for you now. I'm sorry. Spoilers, yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, get it. It, it's interesting because, you know, some people were unsettled by it. Like, well, how can you have this? You, you know, I think people forget that the police chief, you know, as things were happening when the murder victim was found, they didn't, they, you know, there was a line that said, we don't believe these are, um, you know, these two crimes, the abductions are related. So they at least laid the groundwork to say, look, 
it's possible that this is not going to tie into a loose, you know, into a tight bow with everything fitting into, you know, certain parts. And I think it was a nice side story because, you know, it, it played on, you know, mayor's issues trying to solve this case while also trying to solve a murder case and then having to share responsibility with Zabel who was coming in from the County, the big County detective was coming to save the day, even though he had issues in the past that, uh, you know, maybe led you to believe that he wasn't as good as what you know everybody thought he was. So I kind of liked the idea that they had a story within a story. It wrapped up. Maybe you could argue that they just decided to wrap it up and then shut it down. And you didn't really see any like follow up or anything like that, but I think it played itself out. It may have been more of a riff on, on Silence of the Lambs, but it was still well well planned. It was a, a shocking moment, and it was fun. It was interesting to watch it play out. I think it was used more as a vehicle just to drive her stress further. You know what I mean? Yes. Because let's face it, it, she was stressed out, even into that, especially in the, the last episode. Sure. There was more stress there because of the the, the relationships there. So I, I think it was just another plot point to make the character more interesting. Right. And it, it wasn't some of the, one of these like throwaway plot points that doesn't no. make sense. It's It was intense. It led to the stress. She was dealing with a lot of grief. I mean, this show is about grief and dealing with it and overcoming it to some degree. Um, and it's, I, I kind of liked how everything wrapped up where, you know, the final episode, it starts with her walking into the police station. The The receptionist is on the phone like she was in episode one. And then she goes in and kind of does her thing. And I like how it ties in where at the beginning of the episode, one of her friends from the old basketball days is dealing with the, you know, the missing child. And she hates Mare, essentially, because Mare's not solving the crime. And it ends with one of her other friends not liking her because of some things that she had to do with, with her job. While the other friend also, you know, finds the, you know, the, the forgiveness because the daughter, the missing daughter was found. So it kind of puts her back to square one where she's still going to be dealing with a lot of stress and a lot on her mind and a lot of grief because, you know, it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. You're friends with everybody or your cousins with them if you're not friends. So it just, uh, I, I, I thought it was a wonderful series, probably, you know, the best, the best show that they had show wise since Watchmen um, and especially limited series. Both of those are limited series, but uh, you know, this was, and it, it got great ratings. I mean, everybody loved it and that's probably why everybody wants a season two, but I kind of just want them to let it go. If Kate Winslet wants to continue playing detectives or whatever she wants to for HBO Max for the next 20 years, go ahead and do it because I'd love to see it. Well, I, Mayor, or Mayor Winningham, good Lord. Kate Winslet. <laughs> Kate Winslet said she'd be gaming it for another right. program. But, yeah. you know, I'm with you. I I, I could see her. I could. It, it has to be right. It really, I mean, this was based on a novel. So, obviously, the source material was very, very good for, for HBO to option it to start. Right. I don't know if there are more books related to this character, but it has to be right. Right. I, mean, I agree. I, you know, HBO is is spinning off Game of, Game of Thrones right. big time. And it's like, I'm not looking forward to that because I don't know if it's going to be right. 
Yeah, I think sometimes you just got to let it be what it is. It's a seven-episode series. It's a great series. It's It's got a lot of rewatchability. I don't think it's one of those where you'll never want to watch it again. Unless there's a season two, I think you can rewatch this series you know, six months, a year from now and, and be as intrigued by it as you were when you started watching it. I mean, like, you know, we talked about this last time we talked about this show. It was appointment television um, and it was appointment television for me because I I love getting on the app and, and starting it right away when I was able to. And, you know, it. my wife loved it. We just we enjoyed watching it. It was one of those series where I think you can watch it again, maybe let it rest a few, you know, a, a year or so. And then you'll probably re, be reinvigorated by it. I agree. All right, George. Well, um, I I can I I left my four star review. I'm I'm giving it four stars. Did you have a final grade for Mayor of Easttown? Now that you've seen all seven episodes, got it. Mayor gets an A. All right. I think we're on the same page on that one, George. Thanks so much. Uh, just wanted to thank you for joining us again. We'll uh, I'm sure we'll be talking movies again and pop culture and other fun things going on in Hollywood. But uh, definitely appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, sir. I look forward to it. All right, guys. We'll uh, see you next time here on the Ohioan Podcast. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.